Are you a new or aspiring woman leader that wants to make a successful leap into leadership? Do you want to grow your confidence and your leadership abilities so that you can become the kind of leader other people want to follow? Welcome to The Leadership Leap, a show that is all about helping women to become more confident about making the leap into leadership. Now, here is your host, Leanne Pico. Hello there. Welcome to The Leadership Leap. I'm Leanne Pico, your host. Today is going to be such a good show and very topical. I'm very, very pleased to be talking about stuff that um, I think will be very useful for you today. So before I tell you about today's show, though, i really like to thank Susan Crawford from Meraki Inspired Coaching and Consulting for being here on the show last time. So Susan and I talked about what it means to be a leader in our own lives and the power of saying no. That is always something that is useful for me to be reminded how to do. Uh, So I learned a lot and I know you will too. And I also want to thank Gurpreet Kaurman, our HR superhero, who is here sharing some excellent tips on researching your ideal job um, and also interviewing. And Gurpreet, what I love about Gurpreet is that she... She has a different point of view on HR often and and gives us the real goods on on some of the stuff that are really effective. Um, So it's just some really, you know, going beyond the standard stuff. So have a listen. If you're you're looking for a job right now, it's tough times uh, with things that are going on in the world, but Gurpreet has some really great tips for you. So make sure you have a listen uh, on the show page and or you can download or subscribe it in your favorite podcast provider. So today we're talking about two things that are very topical, as I said. Uh, Later in the show, Michelle Bevan of Alchemy Coaching is here for her segment, What's Your EQ? And we're going to be talking about empathy. And very, very topical, a lot to talk about there, for sure. Um, And Lisa Fenton is here also to chat about how to negotiate for your value. So one of the things, um, so uh, at at the time of this recording, and so if you're listening to it in the future, we have the COVID-19 virus that's happening and everybody's uh, isolated. There's a lot of um, challenges in the world around people are losing jobs and people are um, really worried about their work. Um, However, there's something super interesting going on, which is a lot of the sectors where we have women that dominate uh, the numbers and also the potentially the leadership, those sectors are really important right now. So we have food service workers and nurses and um, child care workers who are supporting our essential services. A lot of the things that previously we might have um, undervalued are now being valued. And they are the essential piece, the essential uh, workers that we need to keep our worlds going. So there's something super interesting in terms of a mindset shift around the value of the work we do as women. Um, but there's also, I'm hoping, and I'm going to ask Lisa this and see what she thinks about it. Um, but I'm hoping that maybe this blind spot that we have often had, like, and you know, we're socialized in, in as this for women, there's a blind spot around negotiating what we're worth and knowing what our value is in our workplaces. And so it'll be very interesting to see um, what kind of happens in terms of the sectors but um, we'll be able to talk to Lisa but I get I'm looking forward to Lisa's opinion on this and see if if this might change our kind of our shyness around negotiation but let me tell you about Lisa first so Lisa Fenton is a certified supply chain management professional um, she's a supply chain manager and an advocate and that's super topical right now too supply chains um, she's also an advocate of championing those who've had gaps in employment and go back to work with a focus on negotiating beyond salary. Uh, Very important. It's not just about money, that's for sure. Uh, Lisa enjoyed 12 years with her three boys at home in Bowmanville, Ontario, before she went back to work. And she was passionate about case studies and took the challenge of getting back to work and used a problem-solving formula and gap analysis to map her own journey of getting back into the workforce. Love that. It's really important, you know, using a data-focused approach. Very cool. So we'll ask her about that, too. And Lisa is also an international speaker, published author, writer, blogger, and frequent 
podcast guest. Very, very pleased to have you on the show. Lisa, welcome. Good morning, Leanne. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here today. So excited. So just to tell you, Lisa and I have been like LinkedIn buddies for a while. And we always I always enjoy the stuff that Lisa shares on LinkedIn and she always comments on my stuff. So it's very nice to meet, meet you sort of in person, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice to meet you as well, Leanne. Thank you for this opportunity. I appreciate it. Oh, very good to have you here. So how are you doing? Are you working in supply chain management and also speaking and things? And have you seen any shifts in the work that you're doing? Uh, Yeah, currently, well, I'm working remote right now from home Mm -hmm. uh, due to obviously the current situation. Um, I think a lot of people are in this situation, but in supply chain, there's still a lot of people who are out there helping us get through our everyday uh, lives, obviously, you know, healthcare providers, uh, transportation. I mean, there's so many, um, actually in supply chain right now, there's, they're looking for people. It's interesting that you mentioned, you know, there's some companies that are not looking, but other companies right now are really uh, in need of people. So um, actually, I just published something on LinkedIn the other day, uh, an article about companies that are looking for people. So if anybody wants to go back and look at that, um, they're welcome to look for that resource. Yeah, awesome. And you're right. I mean, there are a lot of, it's all shifting and changing and super quickly, super quickly. And so one of the things that, um, you know, what I about your story that I love, and, and it's a very common story for a lot of women. And, you know, a lot of men take, like we just want to mention, you know, a lot of men take time out too. But it's still the case that it's a lot of women that um, take the that are the kind of highest numbers of people taking time out, but also the longest gap in our careers. And part of that is around just the world as it is in terms of uh, sometimes decisions about who can earn more at the time. Um, but it's also just in terms of personal choice. Um, so tell me about, cause I love the idea, like, cause I, I, I've seen personally a few people in my life try and make the, um, you know, the journey back into work, but I've never heard of somebody using a gap analysis. So I absolutely love that. Um, because it's not just, um, based on emotions, it's based on data. And so probably gave you a better sense of kind of how to negotiate your value. So tell me about your gap analysis and what you did there. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, I combined it with the problem-solving step. So it's going to sound really funny, but, you know, I love case studies, and I did some previously before I was, before I left the workforce. So when I returned, was looking to return, I didn't really know where to start. That's a big challenge. Like, as a stay-at-home mom, where do you start? Like, that's the first thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I thought of myself as the problem, which sounds kind of funny. And (laughs) I just went step, (laughs) step by step, I went through the the problem-solving steps. And once I got that drilled down. Then I thought, well, that's great. I know, you know, now I know specifically what the problems are, but how am I going to go and bridge from where I am now to where I want to be? And that's where the gap analysis tool came in. So there was really three areas that I kind of focused in on. One was the economy. And during the time it was a recession. Worst time to look for a job. Yes. (laughs) I focused in on myself and my family. And then so those three areas, I kind of broke it down into, okay, what companies are doing really well at this time, even though it's a recession? And from those companies, what positions are they hiring for? And from that, what skills are they looking for? And from that, then I took my gap analysis tool with my skills, and I saw the differences. Like, okay, I had taken Microsoft Office previously, but now people are looking for advanced when I want to get back to work. So I need to kind of refresh that. But how am I going to do that? in the most cost-effective and time-effective manner. So I did all kinds of research, and I came up with basically, I was trying to get an entry-level position because I didn't think I could jump right back into supply chain after such a gap. So for the entry-level position, the main things that people were looking for, Microsoft Office, um, first aid if you were going to be on a reception desk, and typing. (laughs) So those were kind of the three areas that I was kind of focusing at. That was the short-term things that I wanted to look at. And I also had in the back of my mind, I really want to get into the long-term, which is supply chain. So that would be having my designation, having those Microsoft Office skills, um, you know, just all those kinds of advanced skills. So I had two kind of goals in mind. One was short-term and one was long-term. And once I was going to get back in the field, my 
my uh, goal was then within a year to try to get back into supply chain. <laughs> so the gap analysis tool, really what I did was I took all those skills, all the levels and all the costs and I ranked them. So what was the most important skill across either my long-term goal or my short-term goal? Um, it was Microsoft Office. So, you know, how many courses would I have to take? Okay, there was three courses. One was each, uh, sorry, each one was a week in length and then I think they're around a couple hundred dollars each. Now, at the time, I had three little boys at home <laughs> right, <laughs> who were very yes. young, and I didn't have a lot of time to be taking, you know, all those courses. So I thought, I don't have time for that. So I went to a one-day free course for Word and Excel. While I was at that course at the Adult Learning Center, I said to the lady, can I just see what the manuals are like for the advanced course? Because I knew that's the one that I really had to get for my long-term goal. She said, sure. And I looked at it and I thought, I've got this. I can do this. I'm going to sign up for the advanced one. I'm going to skip the beginning and intermediate, save myself time and money. So that's what I did. And she looked at me like, you're going to do what? (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. I mean, the thing is, is, and it's such a good example of where, and what I like about this kind of this process, and, and I'm just for listeners, like this is the process that you went through for your um, type of work in your skill set, but this is a very transferable process for people. And um, what I really like about it is, in a way, um, you know, when we talk about, well, how do we know what our value is? And, uh, you know, sometimes it actually does require research. And so there's a lot of stuff out there. And the reason I wanted to talk to you about this, and I'm so pleased to have you here, is a lot of times, and you know, I, I'm very much a feely, feely type person as well, but there's something about understanding the sector or understanding the line of work you want to get into. There's, um, and so we spend a lot of time talking about self-worth and self-value. Well, we have to sometimes that's for women, particularly about confidence and, um, you know, insecurity uh, that that is for sure there. But the way to address that sometimes is to be equipped with information. And so, you know, the the idea that you kind of went, you know, looked at the sector, you have your short term and long term goals and then mapped out what was needed and then went and did it. That's amazing. Like, that's the way. That is for sure the way to um, to be able to do it. So, I, you know, in terms of that, so when we think about, like, when you got into work and you started looking at, like, how, when, and, you know, how do we start to that negotiation? Like, how did you handle the question? Well, you've been off for 12 years and like like how do you how do you start that negotiation process if you've determined kind of like okay this is where I see where I'm going to fit and this is what I think the salary range is how do you negotiate for salary conditions etc yeah so it's a great question thank you um a lot of people are really hesitant to discuss what they've done during their gap and that is I believe um a downfall don't don't down don't downplay your gap you need to do the reverse. You need to say, I'm proud that I was able to stay home for that time with my family. You know, we were able to budget five people living on one income. We were able to, you know, do things. I mean, you don't do things that cost a lot. You do a combination. You do something that is free with something that costs a little bit. So you can show, during that time, you can show all the skills that you gained, time management, um, logistics, you know, getting three kids in and out where they've got to be all the time. Managing your budget. I mean, maybe you were helping with elder care. Like, there is so much good to that gap that you've you've taken. You need to yes. really highlight that. Yeah, and it's funny. My sister. Um, it's my sister went through similar. She was at home for fifteen years. She has four girls, and similarly. And I remember helping her with her resume when she was trying to get back into work, and she hadn't put down her volunteering, and I, you know. Um, and I was just like, oh, my goodness, because um, she had started a whole camp and like she had done amazing things. She was on a board. She was she'd done all these things and she just hadn't really, um, you know, it was just something she did. Right. And so I think women are particularly we we're, we're, we kind of 
devalue the stuff that we do and in actual fact a lot of the stuff that we do is what keeps the world going round as I said in the intro (laughs) it's what's happening now right (laughs) so the stuff you were doing exactly right and so so in in terms of um Thinking about, so say, like, whether it's a gap or maybe it's a stretch. So, we're, I mean, that's the thing is that um, a lot of the people who are listening might say, well, I haven't been off for 12 years. But it's similar with a stretch. Like, if you're stepping up into a leadership role, same thing, right? It's like, what did you do in your current role that could be transferable to the next role? Yes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you need to recognize the difference that you make and the negotiation process is a time for you to create possibilities for yourself. You're promoting um, where your interests can create value for the other party, and you come together and add value for both parties. Yeah, that's it right there. And that's uh, that's also where the gap analysis comes in very well because you know what you can offer that role. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for... For that first interview that I had uh, when I first got my first job back, I really, I had fun with it. It's going to sound strange, but I love interviews. Right. I look at them as, I look at them as like kind of an opportunity to find out, does this company offer things that are good for me? Do they have goodwill in the industry? You know, are they good, um, do they have good sustainability initiatives? Um, You know, do they have opportunities for their employees to improve themselves? You know, what kinds of things can they offer me that will help me grow into that future position if that position is available? So I really look at it as like a research kind of time. I have fun with it. I really enjoy interviews, actually. Yeah, I do too. And I I like learning. Like it's the kind of you learn more. And especially if either you, like you talked about, you know, you're coming back from a gap or you're trying to move up into some or even sideways into a different field. Interviews are the place where you find out what is the language they're talking. What is the what are the things there that are important, uh, both to the company but also in terms of the sector, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you want to make sure, like in supply chain, you don't want to go to an industry where they don't have goodwill. You know, do they do good things out in the world? That's that's a huge thing if you're in supply chain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And similarly, and, and you alluded to it, um, so in terms of a broader piece, Lisa, with because you talk a lot and this is kind of a lot of the work that you do, which is it's not just about salary. So what are the things beyond salary that we need to think about when we're kind of either looking for a position or wanting to negotiate something internally? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So a lot of people don't really consider all the additional things that you can negotiate. And the funny thing is in Canada, I'm not sure about the U.S., but in Canada, all those things are tax-free. So if you're getting all those extra things, you're getting a huge value that is not taxable for one. And also, um, it can just help you. Like, you know, there's tons of things I can start to list, like professional development uh, allowances, professional dues, maybe you want time off to volunteer, paid, maybe you want uh, remote work or flexible options, like there's just endless amounts like fitness passes, um, you know, money to upgrade your home office equipment if that's what you require. I mean, there's, it just goes on and on and on. And, and the thing that people don't realize is over the course of that 40 or 45 year career, you can get even a whole salary uh, in terms of those benefits. And people don't really think about the value and all those little additional forms of compensation. Yeah, so true. I mean, the thing is, is that things like professional development and like you say, kind of professional fees, those are things that we have to pay out. But for a lot of companies, they are one-off payments and they're easier than giving you a long-term salary bump. So in a way, when you, if you have your list of things that you want to kind of negotiate for, then you're actually making it easier for them to say yes. Uh, one of the things for me particularly, so I was over in the UK for a long time, and one of the things for me 
it was holidays. So uh, in the UK, and we'll see how it goes now that they're not part of Europe, but Europe <laughs> mandated, like I was getting six weeks of holidays, uh, five or six weeks of holidays as standard with the jobs that I did. And they weren't, uh, and that's all the way up, not just in senior leadership. Um, and so when I came back to Canada and I, you know, negotiating, I was just like, well, that is one I have to negotiate is time off because <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want my life to get worse because I <laughs> I've come home to Canada. So it's just one of the things though, right? Is there there are conditions um, and for people nowadays, and I think we're learning something interesting right now about what we value in our lives as well as uh, in business. But, um, you know, for people and for women in particular who either maybe they're managing, uh, as you said, you know, uh, you know, caring for people who are older or they've got children or whatever else, sometimes the conditions are actually more important than money, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of your self-assessment before you start negotiating. You need to look at, you know, what's important to you for, like you were just mentioning, is it, you know, the time that you work, is it you want to work part-time at home or you want to work at work? Like, what is the mix that is going to be the best options for you? And really that goes with your self-assessment, like your research and looking at what positions are out there and, you know, what is the standard for that position? Like, is it a nine-to-five job or is it a 24-7 job? Like, there's different things that you really need to consider during that self-assessment for sure. Yeah, and so then sometimes it doesn't come down to um, personal value. It comes down to what we're willing to either give up or give uh, based on our current circumstances. So if we treat it like you did, like a very scientific or data-based or even as a business decision rather than a personal um, uh kind of reflection on who we are, that feels like a good mindset. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know that, like they say, something like 60% of women don't think they get paid what we're, what we're worth, and 50% don't feel comfortable negotiating. But in, for instance, they say if you're, for your first career job, if you negotiate $5,000 more at the start of your first career job when you're going into the workforce, over 40 and 45 years, it can make $600,000 or more difference. Wow. Yeah, and that's why you have to kind of say, okay, in this moment it feels uncomfortable, but I need a long-term view on this. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so say somebody's coming back to work or they're <laughs> in a job and they want to get some better, you know, a, a better deal or they're moving up in leadership what are three strategies that you would kind of advise women to use to or anybody really to to kind of negotiate a better either a better mm-hmm. deal or make sure that you're getting the value like you're you're not getting the value you're um, valuing yourself okay so you you want to do a few things first of all you want to try to be in a mindset of negotiating for somebody else like you're in this process but you're not doing it for yourself I know it sounds strange because we always champion other for others better than ourselves yes so you need to kind of think that you're negotiating behalf of somebody else so it makes it feel more comfortable for you okay. and you really need you really need to improve your best alternative to not getting an agreement like, put yourself in that best position, you know. Do as much training as you can, even if it's self-training. Like, I did a combination of accredited training and self-training. And it didn't matter. I mean, I had examples that I could show people. Um, you know, for instance, I taught myself physio. And then with that, I created a timeline of my return-to-work journey where I plotted milestones all along the way of what I wanted to accomplish during the time that I was looking to get back to work. So it can be as simple as self-training with an example. When you go into that interview, you can say, hey, I taught myself this program, and here's what I did with it. Yeah, so nice. just putting, putting yourself in that best position is really going to help you be able to make the choice that's right for you. Nice. Okay, one more thing. Mindset. <laughs> you're, you're going in. You're about to have the conversation. What are we thinking in our head? What's the story we're telling ourselves? (laughs) I always like to give myself a pep talk. I know it sounds really funny, but when I first went back to work, the first thing I did was I went to a sustainability event, and I was literally going to walk into a room full of a couple hundred professional peers and presenters, 
And I was going to introduce myself to as many people as I could and hand out my personal networking card. But before I went into that event, I stepped back, I watched everybody going in, and I looked myself over, made sure I was presentable, everything was in place. And then I said to myself, you are no different than they are. The only difference is you don't have a company name on your hello tag. So put yourself in the mindset that you're a peer. Right. Nice. Nice. Oh, that's great. Okay, so three very good tips there. And um, thank you, Lisa. I can't believe how fast this has gone. Um, So, but tell us, so um, we're going to need to go to a break in a sec, but tell us, how can people get in touch with you? You have a workbook. Tell us about your workbook that you want to share. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, so I created a little workbook um, that I took from the steps that I used, the problem-solving steps, the gap analysis, and then some strategies for negotiating. I self-published it, and if you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn or on my personal website, uh, you can reach out to me and we can arrange for you to get a workbook. Awesome. What's your website? Tell us. (laughs) www.propelledbypossibility.com Brilliant. And I love the name of your your business. It's awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. We really appreciate all the great tips and and sharing your wisdom. And I'm hoping lots of people come and grab that workbook, especially right now. It'll be a very valuable tool. Thank you. Thank you, Leanne. I enjoyed our time. All right. Talk again soon. Take care. Okay. Thanks. Okay. So we'll be back in just a couple minutes with Michelle Bevan. We're talking about empathy. See you soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hi there, this is Liam Picot, the host of The Leadership Leap. Thank you for listening to the show. Before I stepped into my first leadership role, I wasn't sure about becoming a leader. I was worried I didn't have the skills or confidence to do it well. When I did move up, I always say that I attended the What Not To Do School of Leadership as I knew all the things I didn't want to do, but I was less clear about the kind of leader I wanted to be. So I had to learn that the hard way. That's why I created my online leadership program, also called The Leadership Leap. I help new and aspiring women leaders to grow your confidence and your leadership abilities so you can avoid some of the mistakes I made and make a more successful leap into leadership. Through over 20 video lessons, monthly group coaching, and homework exercises that help you put the learning into action right away, you will discover who you are as a leader and learn how to inspire others. You will also be part of a growing community of other fabulous new and aspiring leaders just like you. Find out more and sign up to learn with me at theleadershipleap.net and use coupon code RADIO for an extra $100 off just for listening. Make the leap into becoming the kind of leader you most want to be. Hi there, this is Leanne Picot, the host of The Leadership Leap. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Before I stepped into my first leadership role, I wasn't sure about becoming a leader. I was worried I didn't have the skills or confidence to do it well. When I did move up, I always say that I attended the what not to do school of leadership as I knew all the things I didn't want to do, but I was less clear about the kind of leader I wanted to be. So I had to learn the hard way. That's why I created my online leadership program, also called The Leadership Leap. I help new and aspiring women leaders to grow your confidence and your leadership abilities so you can avoid some of the mistakes I made and make a more successful leap into leadership. Through over 20 video lessons, monthly group coaching, and homework exercises that help you put the learning into action right away, you'll discover who you are as a leader and learn how to inspire others. You will also be part of a growing community of other fabulous new and aspiring leaders just like you. Find out more and sign up to learn with me at theleadershipleap.net and use coupon code RADIO for an extra $100 off just for listening. Make the leap into becoming the kind of leader you most want to be. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
You are listening to The Leadership Leap with Leanne Pico. You can find out more about Leanne and the program at theleadershipleap.net. Don't forget that you can also send in your questions about all things leadership to Leanne at her email address, info at theleadershipleap.net, and we'll try to answer them on the show. Now, back to The Leadership Leap. Hey, welcome back. Leanne Pico here, your host, and we had a lovely chat with Lisa Fenton, uh, powered by Possibility, who is giving us some great tips on negotiating our value, and also not just our value personally, but also in terms of the kind of work we want to do and the conditions in which we want to do it. So uh, it, it's super important to think about work and negotiation beyond salary. So now we've got, we're going to be talking to Michelle Beveren and we're going to be talking uh, about empathy in Michelle's um, segment, What's Your EQ? So just a reminder, Michelle is an International Coaches Federation certified coach and she has an extensive human resources background. Uh, Michelle focuses on emotional intelligence and she employs formal EQ assessments to identify gaps as the foundation for one-to-one coaching with her clients. Uh, One of the things that I would say is um, at this moment in time, again, we're recording at a time when a lot of people are pulling back on their coaching and pulling back on um, things like uh, looking at emotional intelligence. And what I'm just going to put out there is this is a time that you need, this is an investment time. If you can, either personally or at work, invest in coaching. Uh, Michelle is awesome. So please do get in contact with her and we'll give her details later. Her email is also on the show page. Uh, your emotional intelligence right now is one of the most important things you can do as a leader. So, um, and whether you're a, a formal leader or in terms informally, um, how we're going to get through this is through great emotional intelligence. So, Michelle, so good to see you again. Wonderful to be back. And thank you so much for that great introduction. Um, I'm, I'm going to echo your sentiment. Now is the best time for leaders to really lean into their emotional intelligence skills. This is going to help them and their employees get through this very difficult time. Yes, and also the coaching. Um, You know, coaching Mm -hmm. is a very um, affordable way of helping people. You don't have to send people to great big leadership programs, a a virtual one-to-one. You offer coaching virtually, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, via Zoom um, or just over the phone, whatever the client prefers. Yeah, that's great because honestly, and I have a couple coaching clients myself who um, I don't do the same exact kind of work. So obviously this is um, this is one where I would point you towards Michelle because of the fact that um, we have to manage our own emotions <laughs> as well as others, right? Like that's yeah. what's happening. Yeah. It's not just kind of a, a applying it to others. Like it's a very emotional time for ourselves, right, Michelle? Absolutely. We're all feeling it to some degree or another, um, whether we are, our own uh, jobs are at jeopardy or our loved one's jobs are in jeopardy. Um, and we're just, we're feeling a lot of different emotions right now. So you're absolutely right. Um, getting in touch with how we feel, being able to manage ourselves in order to manage others is really key right now. And getting help to do that is mm-hmm. also key, absolutely. just in terms of having yeah. somebody to, for your own self support. Um, now that that leads us into our conversation today, which is about empathy. And so um, funnily enough, um, it's just so it's so weird how things have all shifted so quickly. Um, for for a long time, it's been um, empathy has been a bit of a hard sell in in leadership. Um, and we've been kind of moving along understanding that it, you know, we've got people like Brene Brown talking about it, things like that. But all of a sudden in the last month, it has been like, it's one of the number one leadership competencies. I see it all over LinkedIn. Um, so mm-hmm. what, like what, but I think it's important people are clear. What is empathy actually? Let's, be, let's have a let's, bit of a definition yeah. for people. Let's start with that. That's a great place to start. So from an emotional intelligence perspective, empathy is recognizing, understanding, and appreciating how others feel. Empathy involves being able to articulate your understanding of another's perspectives and behaving in a way that respects others' feelings. You don't necessarily have to agree with them, but it's that measure of understanding of another's perspective and then behaving in a way that's respecting their feelings is really what empathy is all about. 
And that's really important. And, and just, you know, as someone who has succumbed to um, thinking empathy is the same as sympathy, it is not. Uh, sympathy no. leads us in a whole other direction. So it's really important. I yeah. love how you just put that. It's like you may understand someone's perspective, but you may disagree with them. Absolutely. And it's it's around uh, the understanding piece. So there is a difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy as you um, adopt how someone is feeling. So I'm sorry for you. I'm feeling sorry for you. And empathy has you identify how someone is feeling through understanding. So I understand you feel X, Y, and Z. Um, So you can see the difference between the two. Yeah, absolutely. So why do you think um, empathy is so important in workplaces and especially right now at this moment? It's critical right now because, you know, there's an old saying, no one cares about how much you know until they know how much you care. Yes, um, my Angelou. Right now, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. right now um, it's incredibly important because employees follow leaders who they feel are invested in them. That, that's a given at any time. But specifically now when people are feeling, you know, at the precipice of of massive change potentially in their personal and professional lives. So being able to um, be a leader who is empathetic increases the likelihood of followership because you're going to be able to show to your employees that you are invested in them. You understand how they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think this is such a tough one because – a lot of people, we've, we've looked at leadership in such a clinical way for such a long time. And so when we look at this, it's um, showing you understand it also builds trust, right? Like that's where, because I was just, I was stopping there because what you said would just sat with me so profoundly, which is um, a lot of people are not equipped or do not approach their leadership that way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so how, it, like what, how can one go from, you know, uh, and I'm going to put it this way, an old school kind of leadership to, and also people right in front of you to then virtual and needing to kind of consider, and again, you know, it's not about age, in fact, it's just about our perception of what a leader is. I see a lot of young people stepping into this kind of idea of leadership like how do they how can you portray empathy like virtually and also without coming across um, fake because maybe this is, wasn't your normal style mhm as the basis of this really um, starts with self awareness so being able to understand your own emotions so taking that moment to think how am i feeling in this moment because if i if I understand how I'm feeling, I have a better likelihood of understanding how someone else feels. Right. So once you tap into that self-awareness, then empathy is the next, you know, sort of level of um, key EI skill for leadership, being able to understand the emotions of others. And that, that really talks about, um, you know, being able to sense that unspoken emotion and, and listening attentively to understand that other person's point of view. So even if you're virtual, it's that listening piece. It's that um, paying attention to what you're noticing from a body language perspective, tone, intent from the other person. Yeah. And so yeah. it reminds me of a, conver- a kind of a conversation I had with somebody on LinkedIn that, that brought this up. And what I've been thinking about a lot, which is sometimes uh, leaders, um, think like they might tap into how they're feeling but then project their own way of doing things on others so it's really Mm -hmm. important to go to the feeling not the doing so for example um, if I am feeling scared and my default is to to control everything I may go, oh, my staff need to have control, so I'm going to phone them every day, all day, to make sure that they feel in control. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And then they're like, mm-hmm. and then the staff are they're scared for their jobs, and now they feel like they're being watched and not trusted. Right. And so, how can we? Because this is one that I always, you know, when when I do um, my leadership training, and we talk about like. How do you stay in the feeling without jumping to the doing too quickly? Part of it is uh, um, taking that moment, a few moments, um, to to hold back on that impulse. You know, yeah. know that this is where you normally go to. You normally go to action. But right now, what you need to be doing is noticing. So taking right. that moment to notice what's going on. Um, observing, listening intently. People provide cues beyond words. Um, and, and so not, you know, not shying away, not waiting, not being uncomfortable in those moments of silence between between action and thought and action. Like just sit uh, in it, simmer in it for a moment. Um, yes. and then And then take your cues as data Read that, um, what's coming to you as data, and yeah. put that into your computer as to how you should react. Um, and then further to that, acknowledging. So once you're aware of what the emotions are that are being displayed, um, then letting the person know that you're aware and you're interested. So saying, yeah. you know, something as simple as, it looks like there's something, something may be bothering you, that may be a perfect start for you to have the conversation. So, so you're in the acknowledge piece. And then inquiring, um, because when we're curious, we engage with others and we get a better, a better understanding of their perspective. So responding appropriately, including physical signs of acknowledgement, like nodding your head or ensuring that the person is feeling heard and understood, you could start with a statement like that must be difficult so you're you know how can what would you like to talk about how would you how can I help you Um, what do you need from me yeah and when you ask something like that you're demonstrating empathy already because you're Mm -hmm. like you don't even have to say anything or do anything because you're share you're when you ask something like that you're showing that you are understanding that it's scary right now. It's challenging right now. It's, mm-hmm. it's not, this is not normal times. Um, and so just right. saying, how can I help? Or how can, what, like you said, it's kind of asking a question like that conveys your empathy so beautifully. That's such a good, good tip. Yeah, it really, you know, it's, it's simmering in that um, existence of being rather than doing. Mm. It's very important at this point because a lot of times what happens is the individual who is uh, you're interfacing with may not be looking for you to solve the problem or provide right. an answer. They just want to be heard. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You know? They just want to be heard. We cannot say that loud enough. Just stand down from jumping in there, right? Right. Yeah. So true, so true. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, that what I've seen sometimes when people say, well, I'm I'm empathetic, I I helped them. And it's like, "Mm, but that's not the right place. That's not empathy, that's doing, that's control, that's you imposing Mm -hmm. your way. That's not empathy, right? Right, right. And and being able to, as a leader, being able to show up with um, the empathy that we're talking about in the right way, the not providing the solution, but showing that you care, asking what you can do to help, but leaving the onus on the other person's side, you know, to, to take accountability is going to really um, be able to have you show up, um, bring your best self, see the best results that you can from your employees because you're actually getting them engaged in the solution finding in, you know, and, yeah. and having them feel heard in the process. For sure. And a lot of, for a lot of people, it seems counterintuitive. Okay. So stepping back and letting them decide their schedule, letting them decide their goals this week doesn't feel like helping. <laughs> so, right. and in actual fact, like you say, that is the thing that people thrive on. It's like, oh, I've got control of this. I've got, 
I can do this. Yeah. They trust me. I'm I'm here for it. I'm going to do it. So uh, it's a very good point that you've just made, which is uh, how to be empathetic and make sure the work keeps going. Um, don't mm-hmm. bottleneck it because if you're if you're uh, not showing caring, if you're not demonstrating an understanding of the current situation. Um, people will be, and and or you're jumping in to micromanage because you can't see them at their desk every day. Um, mm-hmm. That's where the bottleneck comes, right? Whereas if we start with empathy, I think there's, it sounds like there's more room for productivity. Yeah, it, the, absolutely. I think that is definitely an outcome because once, you know, people are feeling heard, they're feeling like, okay, I, I think I can do this because they're given... They're given the confidence. You're exuding confidence in them, um, in, in their ability to do what they need to do. Yeah. And so, okay, so I'm very empathetic and, you know, I'm, I'm here for the people I understand. Is it possible for me to be too empath- empathetic as a leader? Is there a way that I'm actually, because um, I'm just thinking about that, that, uh Sometimes maybe people like boundaries, not mm-hmm. necessarily rules or control, but is it possible to be too empathetic and then not um, not provide lead? Like how, how does that look as a leader if we're too empathetic, do you think? Yeah, it, it is possible. Um, and we really the balance with self-awareness is, is what we need as leaders in order to ensure that you're not overusing empathy to the point of it becoming a liability or hindering your effectiveness. Right. Um, when this years ago, when I took the EQ assessment before becoming certified in it, I my empathy was off the scale. It was very very high, but my decision making was quite low. And so I, I through you know the analysis, I recognized that you know what I'm spending so many cycles. Concerned about, you know, making sure that things are happening in the right way for people because I didn't want them to feel, you know, upset or uh, I was spending way too many cycles on what other, what I thought other people might feel or think or, you know, react. Um, And it was holding me back from making the proper, although tough decisions, which would actually help my staff at the time grow. Yeah. So you yeah. you can be too empathetic. You can you know there is a balance required, and that self awareness is the sort of the balancing tool to say, hey, hold on, is this real? Am I serving myself? Am I serving others That's well right the now? One. Yeah, yeah, I love that, and that, and I you know, and sometimes people, and it took, and I say this because I'm similar. I've had a similar journey. You know, and I, you know, the difference between empathy and sympathy, I can say to people, you know, I, I learned very quickly when, you know, don't hire in sympathy. Like, really, it's not a good mm-hmm. idea. <laughs> I yeah. live to learn. I live to, you know, rue those mistakes. But um, it's very important. I love and I think it's probably one of the biggest challenges, but also the most important pieces is am I serving myself or others here? I love how you just put that because sometimes we think we're being empathetic in an actual fact. It's not empathy. It's, uh, as we said, maybe sympathy, but it's also could be, I want to be liked. I want to be, I don't, I'm on conflict makes me uncomfortable. So I choose empathy, but in actual fact, it's not really empathy. We're kind of escaping into not dealing with stuff. So I love it. I love how you just put that. It's complicated. It's not, um, I shouldn't say it's complicated. It's, uh, it, we really do have to reflect on our mm-hmm. own motivations, don't we? Absolutely. A hundred percent. And, um, you know, there's empathy towards ourselves as well. You know, mm-hmm. um, Lisa talked about it a little bit when she, you know, talked about re-entering the workforce and feeling like, oh God, I don't have this, that, or the other thing. And, but taking that moment to take that breath and say, what's serving me well right now is to recognize that I am just as good as everybody else in this get together that I'm, I'm going to be meeting. Um, I do have the skills. I do have what it takes. So showing that empathy towards ourselves as well um, in these times, especially as a leader, 
yeah, you may, this is like a toddler. You may fall down and come back up again and fall down and, and get back up again. But leading with empathy will help you, you know, do the right things with your folks. Okay, that's such a good message. So uh, we've got a few minutes till we close the show. So what are three things, um, if I'm a leader and I'm faced with now, and let's talk about like recognize like if people are working remotely, it's it's unusual, but this is something for long term. This is not, we're not just saying like in the current moment, this is no. a, a really effective way to lead. So three things that leaders can do to be and show be empathetic and show it. What would be your top three things right now, do you think? You know, being in touch. Always uh, make sure that you are reaching out to your folks. Um, noticing. I'm going to go back over what we talked mm-hmm. about already. Yeah, um, That noticing. Looking for cues beyond the words of what people are saying. And yeah. not shying away when emotions are high or low. Um, noticing those underlying emotions and then acknowledging those um, emotions, making sure that you are you know, having that, um, starting with that sentence, hey, it looks like something might be bothering you or something as simple as that, just to start the conversation going, show that you are acknowledging how they are um, feeling and coming across. And then the next piece is making sure that you are showing even physical signs of acknowledgement, nodding your head, that kind of thing. So people feel that they're heard and understood and offering assistance in the sense of what do you need? Asking them, what do you need? How can I help? Not providing the solution, but asking them. Yeah, nice, nice. And so um, and so those are things, again, they could do right now. And even if you're on a, yep. a a call like on a video conference it's kind of like stay focused I'm going to add one for remote working because I I do this a lot which is staying present Um, because you can't notice and you can't listen if you're distracted and I don't say that in a judgy way because we all have you know a lot of people have kids running in behind or running around the house it's not about that do your best to stay present so you can do these things Mm -hmm. absolutely 100% and that takes self-awareness again. So mm-hmm. taking yes. that moment, um, having a moment or two before you engage, get on that Zoom call, get on that uh, conference call, or meet face-to-face, just take a moment, take a breath, understand how you're feeling, and then um, try to incorporate that in how you're going to be interacting with others and, and noticing how they're feeling as well. Awesome. Awesome. As always, wonderful stuff, Michelle. So if somebody, and again, just to reiterate that this is not the time to stand down on things like coaching and um, leaders, really, this is a time where some support is is useful and understanding who you are and how you are being out there is super important. So Michelle, if somebody um, or a company wants, you know, a few of their leaders are really could do with some support or if it's an individual, how can they get in touch with you to do some coaching? Thank you, Leanne. The best way is through my website. It's alchemy, A-L-C-H-E-M-Y hyphen coaching dot com. Awesome. Okay, so reach out to Michelle. See you next month, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you, Leanne. Take care. Okay, so thanks to Lisa and Michelle for an amazing show. Uh, Learned so much today, and I hope you have too. Next week, we have Christina Sacchifio here for the Inclusion Zone and Tina De Los Santos here with Who Thought It Best. Don't miss out. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us this week for the Leadership Leap. Liam Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help you make a successful leap into leadership. 